Blog Talk Radio. Off. You are listening to the April 11th, 2014 Don't Let It Go Unheard. If you're listening to me right now, you are either listening on Blog Talk Radio or AMFM247.com and the affiliated stations of their network. So welcome, everyone. I've got cartoonist Bosch Faustin making it in here at the in the nick of time. How are you doing, Bosch? I was listening to uh, Megyn Kelly kick Kara's ass on Fox News. Mm. Unlike Bill O'Reilly, who kisses their ass, she kicked their ass. It was excellent. Good stuff. Excellent. What, when was this? Last night. Last night. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Excellent. 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 How's everyone feeling out there in the chat room at Blog Talk Radio? We've got Freedom Breeze who says hi to everyone. You know, this is, uh, it's Friday. It's Friday. I can't believe it. It's a, it's a crazy Friday. There's some interesting developments in the news that we're going to talk about. If you want a little preview of what we're going to talk about on the show today, go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com, don'tletitgo.com, and you can check out all the program notes, the links to the stories and other things that we plan to discuss today. I actually don't have any audio clips to play them today. Kind of sad. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> we need a, something, a Jimmy Fallon something. Something. There must be something good that he did this week that we have Probably. missed. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm operating on about three hours of sleep right now, which is a little bit sadness. Daniel says he feels horrible. He just quit sugar Wednesday. Absolutely, Daniel. Uh, First couple days uh, are terrible. Very difficult, but you definitely feel better after. I mean, you know, when it comes to coffee, I'm still not having sugar in my coffee at all, just a butter. And and Daniel, thanks again for this show clock that you yep. made us. I was watching the show clock compared to the Block Talk Radio studio clock, and they were right in sync as we're going into the beginning of the show. So I think that's been super, super helpful. One thing I'd like to do during this initial time that is devoted only to Blog Talk Radio and AMFM 24-7 listeners is thank the sponsor Absolutely. of the show via Blog Talk Radio, which is Audible. Yep. Audible is the audiobook seller that operates also through Amazon and Kindle. And I guess, I mean, I don't, I don't know if Audible can link up with a graphic novel, so to speak, but we just got news yeah. that Amazon is going to acquire Comixology. Yeah. Comixology is the premier comic reading app. Digital comic reading. Yeah. Digital comic reading app. And is it only on the iOS platform, or I is don't it? know. Okay. I don't know. Um, but that's big news. I mean, I, I've, I've been with uh, Comixology now for yeah, I mean, maybe a year. Maybe I have uh, 
you know, my my first graphic novel, Table Form, which is the 10th anniversary. It's on comicsology, and uh, the first two chapters of The Infidel with, with Pigman. I guess you couldn't have audio books of graphic novels because then somebody would have to sit there and describe all the pictures. I guess. I yeah, mean, they, no, it would be terrible. You know, people <laughs> have had things like that where you can actually have actors say and look at the drawings. Yeah, but you'd have to be able to look at yeah. the drawings. You, 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 right? you would have to be. Yeah. Yeah, unless they make all the descriptions and everything, which you don't want to do, then it's that is no longer a graphic novel. You know, maybe what you could do is you could take an English graphic novel, and you could do an audio book of a translation into another language where there isn't actually that, that. That's the only thing I could yeah. think of. If there's, there's going to be any kind of. Can you tell I'm reaching? Yeah. <laughs> By the way, check, uh, if you haven't checked out uh, the Infidel. Definitely check it out. I mean, it's, um, you know, yeah, if you... Comicsology is the way to read it. It's the way to read that. it. Uh, you no. can isolate the panels, uh, make them larger, focus on certain things. It's just it's just a great way to read it. And I used to sell it as a PDF, and it just, it's nowhere near as good quality as reading it on Comicsology. Exactly. Now, one thing you can do with uh, Audible, the audiobook seller is link it with whisper sync yeah. through amazon and therefore you can have a kindle version a kindle electronic version of a book and you can pick up where you left off in oh, either yeah. the kindle version or the audio version vice versa it will keep track Amazing. of where you are so if you want to go check out audible if you're not already a customer go to audibletrial.com forward slash amy peakoff a-m-y-p-e-i-k-o-f-f and you will get a free trial, and you will help our show in the process. Yeah. So thanks again to Audible, of whom I am a customer, and I yeah, had been before, uh, for sponsoring the show. We're going to go into show proper here in a second, so hang on. April 11th, 2014 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard, where we discuss news, politics, and culture from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy, the philosophy that upholds the right to the pursuit of your own happiness. I'm your host, Amy Peikoff. I would say about 80% of Amy Peikoff is here today, at least. I'm, I'm feeling better, but you can still hear in my voice, I sound pretty much like I have a normal cold. Thankfully, joining me here in the studio also is cartoonist Bosch Faustin, who will be able to speak mm-hmm. as well and maybe take a little bit of strain off my voice. Today, I won't be so able to speak you. as well as you. Oh, that's what you meant, right? <laughs> speak as well because I, I just can't. I'm, I'm a cartoonist. That's why I focus, you know, writing and drawing on my own, private, you know, apart from everyone. But I, I, I do try to speak sometimes. Look at Ed in the chat room. How nice he says. Eighty percent of Amy is better than a hundred percent of most radio hosts. Thank I you. Agree. There are a few exceptions for sure. There's people in, out there in Radio Land whom sure. I admire quite a lot. Oh, no but, doubt. But there's always something. 
something that takes away from them, something uh, that undercuts them. Speaking of which, are you able to listen to Levin again? I cannot listen to Levin uh, fully now. I oh. forward to segments. I forward to the second hour. I forward to, to certain things. He's, he's still good. It's still quality. It's still important stuff, but um, I don't know. I, 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 I don't have to listen to every minute he speaks, and that's that's not good. Because, I think you I mean, said the shouting bothers you. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, I you know, people said hey, he's always yelling, and I defended it. Well, he's not always yelling. Sometimes it seems like he's always yelling. Mm-hmm. And he has a pretty weak voice, so I think he feels he has to yell, you know, to make it sound powerful. You know, he's always commenting people when when they call up and they have a good voice. He goes, ah, you got a, you got some great pipes, you know. You could tell he's 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 envious of people who have uh, better you know better voices. But he, um, you know, he's still good, but nowhere near as much as I used to listen. I just can't do it. I can't. I mean, if I want to continue in the sort of work that I've been doing, which is not only speaking here at Blog Talk Radio, which I'm doing once a week, but it's also lecturing universities, giving talks for organizations. It all involves my voice. And in the last few weeks, being under the weather, I've just realized how important it is for, I'm actually thinking of getting a flu shot next year just to avoid this garbage, weeks and weeks of worrying about my voice. I've woken up several times in the past few weeks with almost no voice at all. And that's pretty scary. That's pretty scary for someone who, not necessarily, I don't consider myself a nonstop talker, but I certainly like to talk as part of the work that I do, and I need to talk as part of the work yeah. I do, so it's, it's very sad. Anyway, go to my blog, don'tletitgo.com, and you can read the program notes for today's show entitled Hail Hydra, <laughs> right? Hail Hydra, Hail Hydra, Fascism in America, and... There was a story that came up earlier this week uh, about the GOP quietly, mm-hmm. sort of behind the scenes, passing a revision to Obamacare yep. that would make Obamacare look more attractive. Yep. I think it gave a little bit Disgusting. more choice to people in terms of plans that they could have more and things palatable. like that. So, yeah, it makes Obamacare more palatable. And it therefore, makes something evil seem not as evil. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's evil so, unto itself. So that ensures its longevity, right? right? And it made me think of Hail Hydra, right? You cut off one head, which would be <laughs> Obama, right. and you've got another head, which is Boehner and the GOP. And then, and then you cut off Sibelius, and of course someone will take a place as bad or worse. Who knows? For those Until of- Sibelius' you know, actual position gets wiped out, gets abolished, you know, the whole HHS, then, you know, because who cares if she's out? Right. People are celebrating it. So what? Right. She's a piece of crap. You get another piece of crap in there. Well, and that was, the, you know, the thing that inspired me to go ahead and call this week's show Hail Hydra. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, for those of you who have not seen Captain America 2, first of all, go see it. Yes. But second of all, just keep in mind that I'm picking up on a theme in Captain America 2. Uh, in honor of Captain America 2, I say, which in, which we hope to discuss with some of you during the last half hour of today's show, I hope you've had an opportunity yeah. to see it and that you're ready to call in and, and talk about the movie. Today we're also going to discuss several stories that relate in different ways, as you'll see, to the fascist style of government that existed in Nazi Germany and to an increasing extent in the United States today. Yeah. So check out all those program notes at don'tletitgo.com and you can see the sort of stories that I have in mind. And if you want to call in and talk about any of them, the number at which you can do so is 760 760- 888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817.
So I think my voice is sounding. Yeah, it sounds good. Decent. It's it's not normal. I mean, it doesn't it sounds, to me sound like my normal voice, but it doesn't sound bad. No. It sounds sort of like the voice that the high school crush that I had thought was <laughs> the sexy voice. So I'm I'm happy. I'm happy with it. I will I will definitely keep it. So while you're over there at the program notes, do check out the Audible free trial. Again, we thank Audible, our sponsor, for this show. Thank you very much. And let's jump in because what I found when I – I like to go to the Wall Street Journal. I actually have a little subscription to the Wall Street Journal thanks to supporters of the show, people who have donated. One of the things that I do is I have an electronic subscription to the Wall Street Journal, and I like to just go there and get a sense of what – you know, a reputable news source thinks are the top stories. Uh, you don't always go to Dredge. No. Uh, Dredge sometimes doesn't even keep things updated, and he's got his own idea of what's important. And sometimes he links to Alex Jones, but, the, sorry, the terrible thing about, well, Alex Jones is, is Alex Jones, but the world has legitimized him to some extent. It's so crazy now that I'd rather listen to him. If, I, if there's a choice, then some of the rest even right. on the right or the left. So it's just sick, but Dredge does link to him. Dredge still links to him? I believe he does. Oh, I just... I haven't seen a link for a uh, while, but maybe I'm just trained not to even click yeah. on the types of things that Alex Jones is yeah. talking about. But here, talk about fascism. This was the, one of the first headlines that I saw when I went to Wall Street Journal today. Sensitive market data leaked after a government phone call. It says an agency provided vital U.S. funding information, but who was listening in? And it tracks the influence on the stock market in terms of the stocks having to do with the healthcare industry, insurance companies, etc., and the reaction of the stock market after information from a secret, supposedly, government phone call was leaked to people who are participating in stock trading. So here's the story published uh, yesterday. It says, market-sensitive information vitally important to health insurance companies has once again, this is not the first time apparently, reached Wall Street before the public. And this time it appears to have come from the government itself. On December 3rd, an official with the agency in charge of Medicare spending held a conference call for industry officials. During the call, he provided data suggesting that federal funding for private Medicare plans would likely fall more than expected. Now listen, federal funding for private Medicare plans Fascism. The fact that they're having this phone call with industry officials, government sitting there giving secret information to industry participants. It says, words soon reached Wall Street, prompting a sell-off in insurance shares. In the subsequent 10 trading days, shares of several major health insurance firms lost between 3% and 9% of their value. Over the same period, the S&P 500 was down only 0.5%. So this is a huge... So do you want to just for one second define sure. fascism? Of course. Just, just by definition, sure. literally, and just you know, just to hit it home. Thank you. Yeah, and Bosch has got his handy, what is this, dictionary.com? Yeah, Mary Webster. Right. It's an app. It says, a, a way of organizing a society, fascism. fascism, a way of organizing a society in which a government ruled by a dictator controls the lives of the people in which people are not allowed to disagree with the government. Eh. Um, full definition. I, I don't like that definition. No, but so, we are on our way to that. And if, if Obama could have let, what he wanted. Let's see if this one's better. Let's see if this one's better. It says full definition. It says a political philosophy, movement, or regime 
that exalts nation and often race above the individual and that stands for a centralized autocratic government headed by a dictatorial leader, severe economic and and social regimentation, and forcible suppression of opposition. Now, the thing that these definitions are leaving out, which is part of Rand's definition, is the idea that there's only nominal ownership of property. Absolutely right. Nominal ownership of private property and that the government is actually controlling the exercise of so-called property rights because property rights don't really exist. They exist nominally, but it's otherwise it's a total dictatorship in which the government controls everything that's being done. So there's elements there and there's some elements in there that we're going to pick up on in some of the stories today. But the, the big thing that that's leaving out is that property ownership is only nominal under right. fascism. So it's a totalitarian dictatorship under which there's nominal ownership of private property, but in effect, you don't really own it. That's the case with the health insurance companies right. today. So I'm sorry for introducing this. Uh, no, no, no. It's, yeah. it's good. I mean, it, it gives us you know, some background, but you see how that's, that yep. important point is, is missing there. Yeah, Daniel Henry in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio is adding that communism is a totalitarian form of government in which there's not even a pretense of private property ownership. That's the end game, exactly. Everything is owned. An image, not a concept, I'm not sure. Oh, There's uh, some comment in the chat room that I'm missing here. We actually already do have a phone call, so why don't we go ahead and dive in and grab a call early. That would be great. Hi, who's this? Hi, Amy. Hi, boss. This is Mike Kralis. How are you guys today? Hi, Mike. Good to hear from you again. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Uh, I just, uh, uh, Bosh, I just, uh, as always, want to commend you on your work. I just love it. Uh, Thank you so much. It's just so cool. It's so out there and so uh, unafraid in a way. It's just uh, people to have the courage to speak the truth uh, merely because it's true and it needs to be said is uh, a rare commodity maybe even more so these days but you know every time i call i just want to thank you for it because it's awesome i really appreciate that mike Big uh, time. oh oh my pleasure uh Thanks. and i also uh your your comments uh, about drudge a few minutes ago just kind of sparked me to call because having lived in austin texas for about eight years i uh became well aware of alex jones that's where he's based yeah. uh and uh I don't agree with everything Alex says or believes or espouses. I don't know anyone who agrees with everything anybody says for that matter. But uh, the things uh, the things that caught my attention uh, when I was living in Austin uh, about what Alex has always talked about are uh, are the things that that you see all too often on the news these days, like what's happening in Nevada with the rancher and the Bureau of Land Management right. uh, coming onto land. I, and from what I've read about this, his family's ranched in Nevada for over a hundred years. Hmm. And, uh, and, and the Bureau of Land Management is taking his cattle, stealing his cattle. Uh, under what, pre- under what say, pretense, under what pretense, Mike? Uh, the pretense is they say he owes grazing fees for the land because the land is now federal land that is mm. cattle grazing. And uh, it's also, they say, the environmentalists 
out there are for it because they are they say they're doing it to protect the habitat of the desert tortoise. And uh and, and yeah, I know it's great. Uh and something something I read yesterday, uh the Bureau of Land Management themselves have said in the last two or three years that they need to kill about half of the population of the desert tortoise in Nevada to help sustain it because I guess there's not enough land to sustain it, the numbers they have. So they're under the pretense of protecting this creature. Uh, So they have to shove this man off what's left of his land and steal his cattle to protect a a creature that they say they're going to have to uh, systematically cull to save it. Uh, and yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't know whether to laugh or cry or scream or whatever when I read that. Well, and it, could, it, this, could this be part of the other? Could this, Mike? Could this be part of the other thing that I heard about recently, which is that they're talking about they want to eliminate the population of cattle anyway because of the CO2, the carbon emissions that come from it, so that we're going to see dramatic price increases in beef, et cetera, which is already very expensive? Oh, I'm sure that's, uh, that's a part of uh, the thinking in terms of, in terms of uh, private ownership, uh, private ranches and cattle. I'm sure that's part of it. Right. Uh, but, but, but this specific thing, this specific incident out in Nevada uh, is, uh, one, it's kind of terrifying uh, because yeah. you have uh, federal, federal agents, and I guess they've called in uh, federal marshals, Mm. From uh, our, our federal rangers, uh, national uh, park rangers. I mean, they have they have personnel there, uh, people on the ground who are protesting the feds there, and and who are there on the ground seeing these SUVs roll all over the place. And they have they have this guy's line surrounded, wow. there with automatic weapons slung on their shoulders. Uh, and people, uh, protesters and witnesses on the ground, have said that they see these uh, federal SUVs with license plates from California, license plates from Utah. So they're calling in guys from all over to get this done. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's just terrifying. And it's, and it's the, and the one, the one thing, the one thing, and maybe this is the one thing that I will give Alex Jones credit for, for everyone to hear because it's true. And I wouldn't say anything like this. It wasn't true. The thing that he has talked about, he's been on radio in Austin for almost 20 years. And the thing he's talked about and talked about and talked about is the creeping tyranny in America. Right. And, and it's here. Yeah. Like he used to, like you said, for uh, a few years now, the police state isn't coming. The police state is here. Right. It's here right now. In the right. United and States did you, of America. did you, did you see Captain America? I have not yet. I want to very, very. That, that, that's one of the first movies I've wanted to see in the theater, quite frankly, in a long right. time. It's, Mike, it's I'm, I'm, think, I'm thinking it's going to resonate with you quite well, yeah. and oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, if yeah. it, just just see a matinee. You know, at a, a you don't have to see no. IMAX or 3D or but, any of the fancy schmancy. If you, if you watch it in a regular theater, third or fourth row, I recommend. You know, that's all. Definitely. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah, it's just uh, the way the way they've uh, the way they've written this character from the first movie through the Avengers and everything. It's like he's the he's the. I, I heard one review called him the voice of reason. 
Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and the conscience in a lot of ways. I mean, his. Yeah, exactly. He's, uh, yeah. he's, the, he's, the, he's the almost lone moral compass in a way yep. for all these stories. That says, uh, well, yeah, we, we, yeah, we need to fight the bad guys, but this isn't fighting the bad guys. This is something else. Right. And, uh, yeah, and that's, yeah, and that's why, uh, yeah, from the first Captain America movie, the way they started this character, the way they started writing and recreating, and I just, I got that feeling, Amy, like, oh, well, this, this, this guy, this guy is me. Right. right. And, he, and, he, and, he, and he's so many of us. He's so many of us. And even if, people themselves aren't really as activist as you and I are, Mike. I think a lot of people who watched that movie Relate. related, at least at some level, they saw a little bit of themselves in that, even if they haven't really been, you know, kind of going down that path. Yeah. And and perhaps yeah, they, yeah, 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 they, yeah, they see so. themselves as, as the other people who said, okay, you know, uh, anyway, actually, I don't want to talk more about the movie. I don't want to have any spoilers. Okay, but no, I, no, that's I think, fine. So, I think you like. But so, what do you, yeah, what do you well, think I about so. the the fascism in the healthcare industry? I mean, what do you think about government bureaucrats holding secret meetings with healthcare industry officials and giving them information that's going to affect mm. the stock price of their stocks? And then people going out and trading off of that before the general public is allowed to know any of this stuff. And therefore, I guess, you know, protecting themselves, making money. Who knows what they're doing with this? A lot of fat cats in Washington, well, D.C. Yeah, that, that, uh, that, that very kind of thing, that very sort of, well, that's that when it involves uh, stocks and trading and uh, profiting off uh, secret information, that's a crime. That's called insider trading. And, well, okay. Uh, now, now here, here's the thing. Here's God the thing. knows. God knows. You know, Mike. Mike. I, I actually think. I actually think that insider trading per se should not be a crime. I agree with your own book on this. Your own book has talked about this before. But, but, but yeah, but it, yeah, but, sorry, but one but, thing. But Mike is saying basically what the government's doing is they're doing what they accuse others of. of well, no, of course they're being hypocritical, exactly. right? But, but right. what what I think should be strictly prohibited is any trading off of information about what government is going to do, right? I think if you have inside information and you've acquired the information legitimately, someone, someone has voluntarily, within their rights, given you information about what private companies are going to do, and you trade off that, fine. I actually don't have a problem with that. No force, no fraud involved. Yeah. But but yeah. when they're trading off of what government's going to yeah. do, I mean, think about this. The two examples that we've been talking about on this call, Mike, are two examples of the same thing. Government initiating force and committing theft. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. They're doing that. Yeah. They're doing that to the rancher with right. his cattle. Yeah. That's the overt use of force to go ahead and steal his cattle away from him on some pretense that has to do with government taking all the grazing land or whatever they're doing. So there's the overt. And this whole incident here involving the Medicare spending and everything else all involves theft from you and me as well. But it's more behind the scenes. Nobody thinks of it in the same terms, but it's exactly the same thing. Medicare itself is theft, right? Basically, they are forcing charity upon people. Now, you know, they, they, 
Or, or you could say, okay, they're forcing you to engage in savings under terms that the government sets, right, because supposedly they're setting aside our money to pay for our medical care later, whatever. But it's force. The whole system is. And then when they're actually saying, okay, well, we're going to spend less or we're going to spend more, and here we're going to tell you guys secretly about it, and you guys, I guess, are going to use that information to make money that the general public isn't able to, They are using their ability to initiate force against Americans to create opportunities in the stock market for certain people to make money. And that's all against will. That's against Americans' will. So it's theft from all of us. They stole all of this. And this is a huge margin, right? Three and nine percent of the value. Now, a little bit of that you might say, okay, some of that could be explained because of the so-called Obamacare rollout. But I don't think all of that can be explained, especially when the S and P five hundred was down only five, you know, point five percent, half a percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, and and uh, to uh, uh, you know, if 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 you guys, uh, if I could, if I could uh, just say one quick thing before I before I go. Actually, uh, we've we've got about a minute left, so you got about thirty seconds. Okay, great. Uh, any. Any links that Drudge puts up that talk about Agenda 21, that talk about encroaching, creeping tyranny from the monster Leviathan that is government, right? click through them, read about them. Agenda 21, okay. people, think, people think it's a fantasy. It's real. I've done, I've done some homework of my own. Look up a woman named Rosa Corey. Okay. And her book, Behind the Green Door, Behind the Green Mask, I think it's called. Dynamite. The woman has done amazing work. Uh, and that, that's my little plug for the day. And just uh, keep rocking on, you guys. I love what you guys do. And uh, just keep doing it. Thanks great. a lot, Mike. Thanks for calling, Mike. And we'll talk to you, you again. Okay. okay so we, Great. We're about to go into a short break, and we'll see you on the other side. Hi, everyone. If you're listening to me now, you are on either Blog Talk Radio or amfm247.com or its affiliated radio stations. So we are in our little kind of four-minute bottom of the hour break. Let's check in over here at the chat room. By the way, Freedom Breeze uh, says she, um, he or she read the, the info number one and two in the comicsology and really enjoyed it. Thanks. Thank you so much. Yeah, it. now did you check out this? There was a comment from James Dahl. Okay. Let me scroll up a little bit over here in the Blog Talk Radio chat room and one thing also, grab just, that just, from him. Just one thing about um, Alex Jones. He uh, he has a fatal flaw. He's a 9-11 truther. He believes right. the U.S. government did 9-11. Everything else falls into place. Whatever kind of legitimate story he has, oh, he's a 9-11 truther. So... We have an active chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio, so thank you, everyone. But the thing I was going to tell you is that I'm not going to be able to perfectly paraphrase what James Stahl over here in the chat room wrote earlier, that he says he wants you to do one of your podcasts Mm -hmm. where you talk about Table for One and how it came about and everything. So I think that would be fun, right? I I mean, I talked a little about it in my second podcast. It was basically my comic book origins. 
but not in not in great detail. No. Sure. And and the whole process that 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 that, that I had to go through in terms of publishing it and it was a process. It was a two years, I think, after I finished it, finally got it out because publishers and this and that and it was even movie interest. It was a it was a, a TV studio actually. They they wanted to make a TV show about it, which is crazy, but you know, right. it was exciting. Yeah. yeah. So how do you think the show's going so far, boss? Good. Are, are we surviving? Yeah. Now, how's your voice? So you had to leave and grab a cough drop, You didn't right? hear. I, I had a coughing fit. I was being as <laughs> quiet as I possibly can. I went and got You're a... You're so professional. I mean, I, you I, are so you professional. You didn't hear me at all, which, which is good. So I was able to go out and get a lozenge, come back. Wow. I mean, it just took over. I could not help it. Excellent. Yeah. No, but I, I mean, I hope we do survive, but we'll see. We've only gotten through one story, though, so we're wow. going we're gonna to have to jam on move. this a little bit. But, you know, again... It was Rudaparna Basu who sort of clued us into fascist medicine. Oh, yes, is this the yes. term that she uses forthrightly? I think, I think she did. All right. That's a good term. And also something else, another term she used, which was proper. Daniel says, pick up the pace. Aye, aye, Captain. Captain's orders. Daniel. <laughs> we must pick up the pace. Now, th- there's a lot of these that I don't necessarily have a, lo- a whole lot to say about. So, yeah, we can we can plow through this. But we do want to talk a bit about Sibelius. Yeah, sorry, uh, sorry. Tom says that Alice Jones' nine eleven trutherism is only one among many flaws. No doubt about it, Tom. But that's the killer. That's the killer to me. I mean, once you know that, that's it. Have you listened to him as a talk radio host? Uh, for a few minutes. And it was one time, no joke, he cried on air. Oh, no. And he kept crying and crying to prove, I guess, that he really, really cares, you know? Okay. He was like, no joke. He was bawling on the air. And you're looking at it like... Is this real? I guess it is. I don't know. Okay. Well, we've got a few seconds, and then we're going to come back with our bottom of the hour segment. So hold on. Hi, you're listening to Don't Let It Go Unheard. This is Amy Peacock, and I've got cartoonist Bosch Faustin in the studio with me. That was an abrupt cutoff of that little bumper music that I'm trying yeah. out here, huh? That was the Jezebels, the Brink. I highly encourage anybody to go out and grab the Jezebels. If you like this sort of music, again, if you don't like contemporary music, then... But this is this is alternative and melodic, and I, I think it's probably some of the more benevolent melodic stuff that's out there today, at least so. in my experience. The sounds are great. They did do a cover of Journey, which makes me wonder whether <laughs> their entire, you know, albums and everything else is geared towards older listeners like myself. I'm not exactly sure. They seem like uh, a younger band, but they seem influenced by U2, maybe even Radiohead. But they're very good. They're releasing new albums now. They are young themselves. But there are people who, you know, they're bands who sort of pitch themselves towards an older audience. Of course, I didn't get a chance to see them live, yeah. so I didn't get a chance to see what sort of audience they actually draw. I'd like to see that audience in person. Maybe, I don't know if I could check out who likes their page on Facebook and just get a sense of who it is. I don't know. I mean, who knows? When it comes to music, anything goes. Yeah. I, mean, uh, I mean, to me, 
I follow the sounds. Uh, if they have a great philosophy, that's a nice plus, but that doesn't mean you're going to have great music. I Sometimes you have the greatest ideas and the terrible music. I don't even know what the lyrics are. No. I just, I mean, I, I'm listening in to a lot of ways, the sounds these, and the music. Some of these bands, I just don't care. The rhythm. And uh, I hear them in interviews. I'd rather not hear those interviews at all. Because then, you know, you, you're like, oh, man, these guys are imbeciles. But, man, they can play some good tunes. They're compartmentalized. They're very mixed people like so many people are today. So that's just kind of how it goes. But I enjoy them. If you do, too, go check them out. Available where music is sold. <laughs> Amazon or iTunes. So let's pick up the pace a little because Daniel, who makes, he makes our clock, right? He makes our clock. He said, pick up the pace. Stay on the on a, on but we're always talk. happy to have the phone call, so do call in if you want to talk, 760-888-5817. But we have a few stories right here. Now, I'm trying to say, which, which one is this? It's 47 oh. seconds. It's just something that's, or no. It, it, does this have to do with the story that no. inspired this is something entirely different? No. Let's go ahead and get through these yeah. uh, stories about Obamacare first, and then we'll go ahead and do that. As people know... Kathleen Sebelius has resigned. You may have heard that this week. And Obama has announced the name of a new health secretary. This is going to be Sylvia Matthews Burwell, White House Budget Director. As I understand it, she is responsible for writing budgets that nobody likes. Yeah. No congressman likes her Someone accused her of being responsible for the shutdown itself. Someone said she is the one responsible. So I thank her for that. If she shut down the U.S. government, she's good in that very, very narrow, minor way. I mean, I, I read the Washington, uh, excuse me, the Wall Street Journal story here that I've got linked to, and Obama talks about the fact that she's a good manager, and so that therefore, that's why, because there's a lot to manage, there's a lot of tricky things that she has to do. This position should not exist. The the thing that's really kind of sad about this, and I'm not sure if it's in this story that I read it, I think it's actually in the next story where they discuss the reason why Sibelius is resigning now and Obama is nominating this woman now because now that the enrollment period is over and, you know, have you noticed that Sibelius has said that they have met their enrollment goals because Seven and a half million people have, quote, picked a plan. Picking a plan is not enrollment. So all these numbers are garbage. But nonetheless, they believe they have enough credibility to the numbers to go out there and just through the media, who's sympathetic to them anyway, just tout these numbers and brag. And then Sibelius feels like now that they have this win, this sort of publicity win, that she can resign and they have enough political clout to go ahead and appoint a successor. They've, they've Someone who no one really knows about, so they don't hate her outright as they, as they hate us. Well, as and actually, it's, it's a little bit better for Obama than that. This woman, Burwell, has been appointed by the Senate before mm-hmm. for her current position. Mm-hmm. So the idea is that Obama is going to be able to get her in quickly mm-hmm. with as little hullabaloo as, as possible. What I do understand, though, is that Republicans in the Senate do want to use this opportunity to highlight the problems with Obamacare, good. which is good. Sure. But I don't think that they're going to be able to object to her herself because they've already vetted her and approved her unless something has happened between the time that they last vetted and approved her and now 
you know, when she's coming up for this appointment, it's not going to be about her. What they are going to talk about, at least for some time, as long as Harry Reid allows them to do it, because, you know, he's kind of the dictator of yes, the Senate now. Yes, he is. They want to talk about the, you know, the failed health care law and what a total disaster it is. So that's going to go on. But, you know, the way that Obama sees it, it says uh, that in this Wall Street Journal story that I have, it says Mr. Obama conceded that the administration, quote, lost the first quarter of the initial enrollment period. He always talks in these sports uh, metaphors, right? Uh. But under Mrs. Sibelius, he said, the rollout, quote, turned the corner and, quote, the final score speaks for itself, uh. end quote. She says, uh, Sibelius said that at least 7.5 million people had picked plans through healthcare.gov and similar state-run exchanges to date. The number exceeded prior enrollment projections. That's not enrollment. No. Picking a plan is not enrollment, but whatever. Who do they care? They, all they want to do is they want to have some sort of a plausible story to tell the American people. They want to switch Sibelius out for this other woman who people don't really know and they yeah. haven't built up any hatred yes. for, who hasn't bumbled as much as Sibelius has. Yep. And then they want to go into the 2014 elections yes. without anybody who is offensive and who baggage. people hate. Yeah. And also, Robert brings it up here, and some others have as well, is to basically knock the lowest learner out of the headlines. And that's, that's very possible. These snakes, the way they think. Mm. Say, for this moment, the, the Irish story is getting a little hot. So let's just do this, knock her off the... the plus, it's, it's Friday, so the whole weekend will be dominated with this. And by Monday, it might be cooled off. And, the, and hopefully the Republicans understand that and keep, keep working against it, hopefully. The political explanation for what Sibelius is doing now, you know, not necessarily cross-reference with the Lois Lerner story, but just talking about why now, how, why does it make sense to do this now? Sibelius and Accountability is a short opinion piece over at the uh, Wall Street Journal that you can check out. I have the link at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. They say it would be nice to think that her resignation is a case of accountability in government, but that's not, a, I mean, not at all. They said no. this is not the way this government now works if it ever did. No. They said the departure of the HHS secretary um, is best understood as one more attempt to dodge political responsibility. What they want to do is they want to get her out quietly and quickly now after they went ahead and claimed victory about the 7.5 million signups, then put in this new woman, um, and after that, you know, everyone, everyone's going to think everything is peachy. One thing also Robert says here, because the language being spoken here by Obama and by other hacks, some, some liberals on Twitter, Obamacare won, okay, won. Against whom? Against American people. That's for sure. As Robert writes, final score, U.S., the government, 100, American people, zero. And that's where we are to celebrate this, celebrate this, the, this uh, violation of our rights, to celebrate it. Well, and, and one of the things they talk about, again, is all the difficult things are going to have to be done during the continuing process of the rollout. And part of that, of course, is the continuous rewriting of mm -hmm. the Obamacare legislation. And that was another element of fascism that I wanted to bring up. Right. You know, I, I've taught classes in jurisprudence, philosophy of law, and there is um, Lon Fuller is a respected philosopher of law who wrote a lot in the second half of the 20th century. 
And one of the things that he talked about was during the Nazi regime that all the laws were basically fungible, that there is no rule of law right. in a fascist regime, that the law is whatever the dictator at a certain right. time says it was. And yeah. so that what Hitler did all the time is he would perhaps do some sort of a purge, right. kill a bunch of his opponents, right. and then later give you know an executive order or its equivalent declaring what he did to be legal or that they were horrible criminals who needed to be punished or whatever it was, whatever he needed to do to make sure that whatever his whim was, Mm -hmm. was legal at any time, he would just decree. And that's what Obama's doing with his pen and his phone. And he's going to continue to do that with Obamacare into the 2014 elections. He wants Obamacare to continue to remain as palatable as possible through the 2014 elections in hopes of getting more Democrats into the the House and the Senate. Is it going to work? I don't know. Tammy Bruce is very optimistic. She keeps saying time and again that she thinks they're going to pull it out. The Republicans are I going to gain a majority in the Senate. Despite themselves, yeah. the rage against the government by the American people, uh, Tea Partiers might get in more power, and some uh, stinking Republicans might maintain their power. But I think there will be uh, some kind of uh, reckoning. I mean, I think there will be. Now, here's the story, again, that I said that inspired the title of today's show, Hail Hydra. It was about the GOP. And this is a story that was kind of a little quiet this week and I think deserves a little bit more attention. This is a story that I got from apnews.myway.com. Again, the link links to all the stories we're talking about at my blog at don'tletitgo.com. You can get them over there. Headline here is GOP seeks coverage choices in health law they hate. Washington AP quote at the prodding. Hold on a second. Who says they hate it? Health law they pretend to hate. They pretend to hate. Yeah. They say they hate. Yeah. That they say that they have to say they hate. Oh, we hate this. Did, Did that sound right? All I know is that the better Republicans have insisted that this law be enacted and you know, basically be uh, enforced right. as written. That's what the good Republicans are doing. But listen to what yeah. these Republicans are doing. It says, at the prodding of business organizations, House Republicans quietly secured a recent change in President Barack Obama's health law to expand coverage choices, a striking one-of-a-kind departure from dozens of high-decibel attempts to repeal or dismember it. Democrats describe the change involving small business coverage options as a straightforward improvement of the type they are eager to make, and Obama signed it into law. Big surprise. Republicans are loath to agree, given given the strong sentiment among the rank and file that the only fix the law deserves is a burial. End quote. I mean, this is crazy. Now, uh, one Republican says, well, maybe you say it helps Obamacare, but really it helps the small businessmen, end quote, says one Republican. He is deceiving himself. This guy is Representative Phil Rowe from Tennessee. I'm telling you, he is deceiving himself if you think that all it does is, quote, help small businessmen. What it's doing is it's trying to secure the support of small businessmen. Small businessmen are probably donating to politicians out there and stuff, keeping them in office. And they want to keep small businessmen happy. Uh, They don't want to repeal Obamacare. They want to keep it. And if they can keep small businessmen, which have been pretty, they've been pretty vocal in opposition to the law, 
then maybe they can keep Obamacare. If, if small businessmen were still unhappy about this law, if they still were not provided these choices that the Republicans have given them, they would continue to vocally, vociferously oppose this law, and we could have some real opposition. But no. So what is, why do I call this Hail Hydra? Because what the Democrats are not doing to make sure that this fascist takeover of medicine stays in place, the Republicans, or at least some of the Republicans, are doing. So I say shame on them, and especially shame on them for doing it quietly. If you're really convinced that you are helping small businessmen and you're not helping Obamacare, why not just go out there and loudly tout what you're doing and say, you know, this horrible Obamacare, we can't wait for a full repeal. We have to give relief to small businessmen now, blah, 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 blah. It's because you know that by helping small businessmen in this small way now, that you're keeping Obamacare more entrenched, that you're extending its life, its political life in particular. They have to do it on the down low because of the Mm -hmm. quote-unquote purists who will condemn them. You know, know, purists, meaning the ones with the conscience. It says it's unclear how many members of the House rank and file knew of this because the legislation was passed by a highly unusual voice vote without debate. Bastards. These are terrible, terrible Terrible people. I mean, I don't know. You know, Democrats, Republicans, I guess they're Washingtonians, most of these people. That's what they are. They, they go to Washington to become Washingtonians. And I'm not talking in the good sense of the term. I'm talking about in the horrific sense of the modern term. They're Washingtonians is what they are, whether they're Republicans or Democrats. You know, Bitch McConnell, Harry Reid, what's the difference? What's the real difference? One's a little uglier than the other. Maybe not. I don't know. They're both ugly. They're trying to give, you know, the flexibility to the small business owners. It says the provision was relatively minor. It eliminated a cap on the deductibles for small group policies offered inside the laws, health care exchanges, as well as outside. The cap was set at 2000 for individuals and 4000 for families, but now you can have higher deductibles. What does this mean also? I mean, really what's going to happen, they, you know, eliminate the cap. We're all going to get higher deductibles and be paying higher premiums still for a plan that doesn't cover anything. But it's making the businessmen happy for now. So it's not making them as eager to put into, I mean, think about this, right? Because there are Republicans, for instance, who are doing primary challenges to the bad type, the fascist type of Republican, right? The, you know, the primary challengers are not going to have as much small business contributions behind them now maybe because small businesses they say oh well we have relief for this moment we have relief for this moment so yeah these these people are you're they're definitely part of the problem and yeah i'm calling you fascist republicans absolutely you are part of the problem you republicans who are behind this so i would suggest if you can go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com find this story gop seeks coverage choices and health law they hate and send it out there. Show what the tricky GOP leadership is pulling off behind the scenes. You know that Boehner's behind it. Oh, no because doubt about it. we learned already before that nothing is getting to the floor, tricky voice vote or whatever, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't matter otherwise, yeah. that he doesn't give express permission to have out there. That's one of the ways that he makes money. Yep. Yeah. You want to put something there? Oh, yeah. Speaking Go ahead, of Boehner, this. Yeah. Uh, this is the sound of a man desperately trying to retain his power. Here is the sound. 
the frustration is, is that the American people have not been told the truth about what happened at the IRS. The American people have not been told the truth about what happened in Fast and Furious. The administration has not told the American people the truth about Benghazi. And we've been going through all of these hearings, having to hold people in contempt because they've made it impossible to get to the documents. They've not been forthcoming. They owe the American people the truth. And when it comes to Benghazi, we've got four Americans who are dead, and their families deserve the truth about what happened, and the administration refuses to tell them the truth. Now, this is the third most powerful individual in Washington. He has political power. He could have gotten down to the bottom of these scandals. Benghazi could have appointed a special prosecutor. He could have done so many more things than he's done. And who is he telling this to? He's saying basically, I have the power to do what I'm saying. Appoint I want to do a special that. prosecutor. Uh, but I haven't done it. But man, I am saying I really don't like this. And uh, I can retain my seat. I can retain my, my power without using my power. Huh? This low life. So I, I put it here's John Boehner, who has a lot of power as Speaker of the House to get to the bottom of Obama's scandals by appointing a special prosecutor, etc., looking to appease his critics on the right and maintain his power. Some might fall for it, but if he actually meant that, uh, these words, he would have acted on them by now. That's all the point. This I, low life has, has power unused, untouched, because who knows? He don't, he don't mind the, the scandals. He doesn't. I do understand, though, that we may actually end up seeing some action. So I have a story that we are going to talk about probably during the next hour about the House Ways and Means Committee voting to refer Lois Lerner for criminal charges. So that should get some action going. Yeah, but there's a, a word in there, may, right? You know, And we're talking about yeah. Republicans. I know. The fact is they can, they should. I just get her now. Pull, get, you know, do the perp walk. Put her in, in there. Get it done. Don't tell us they may do it. Don't tell us that, guys. Do it. Let's see it. Even with Republicans being what they are, there is this poll that I linked to over at the blog at DontLetItGo.com where only 23% think that Obamacare is a success and 62% think that repeal is likely. I mean, think about that. If, while Obama celebrates this. Yeah. And, know, and, and while he's taking all these you. You know, very carefully calculated actions – like changing the head of the Health and Human Services right now when it's politically feasible. All these He's things doing to all help these things his to, bill, to, to help the fascist government, not to help American people in right, any way, not right. to help anything else. And, and to keep Obamacare around. Yeah, keep it alive. Perhaps for the 62%, we have Ted Cruz to thank because he's really the only one who keeps yeah. through social media, through all his speeches time and time again, saying 100% repeal every single He's word. the only one saying it. The only one. I mean, there might be other people, but they're no. following him, no, no, no. and and they're no, not doing it as loudly and, and consistently. Politicians? Well, I'm thinking that there are some other politicians who aren't getting the the coverage. No, or they have to make who it I happen. I don't follow on Twitter. They have to go out there and make it happen. We have to right. hear from them, and if we're not hearing from them, then they're not doing they're doing a lousy job. They have to get out there in front of cameras, go out there, say I am in support of a Ted Cruz. Maybe there should the be a whole thing. caucus, a repeal Obamacare <laughs> caucus or something, and they should right. stand up and down with that. But one thing that we have Ted Cruz to thank for, and, yes. and think about this, right? So here's John Boehner, tons of power, nothing, doing nothing. No. And here's Ted Cruz. I think he has achieved something basically single-handedly. Yes. And that's this. This is from Hot Air, breaking story. White House denies visa to Iranian hostage taker. Yes. 
who was supposed to be sent here as a diplomat to walk on ours to soil our soil by coming to America, this this this, this terrorist. And, Finally, uh, the White House is denying yeah. the visa. Now, why are they doing this? They're doing this because of the pressure that's yes. been put on them first through the and Senate then, and, then and then by the House because there has been unanimous voting in favor of a law mm. that would have the president be able to And Chuck Schumer them. also uh, um, backed up uh, Ted Cruz. Chuck Schumer is a scumbag. But Chuck Schumer, two things for him. He's he, he's behind this, and he calls care a terrorist institution. He does. He does, okay. which is impressive for a low-life leftist scum rat. But he does say that. He identifies that. Maybe because he's a Jew. Who knows? He, he, he understands Islamic Jew hatred. Maybe that's the extent of it. I don't know. But that's good. That's very good. So listen to sneaky Obama. Again, this is the sort of you know Hitler-esque way of governing that that he's doing he's saying okay um i'm going to deny a visa to this guy but i don't know whether i'm going to sign that bill that you guys have unanimously yes. passed yes. through the house and the senate yes. i don't know if i'm going to sign it into law yeah this is the hot air story hell with americans is what he said the hostage americans to hold them yeah the white house announced today that it's going to refuse to issue a visa to hamid Abu Talebi, I think that's how you would say it, uh, the Iranian envoy to the United Nations over his connection to the 1979 hostage crisis in Tehran. He belonged to the, quote, student group who seized Americans from the U.S. Embassy despite having had diplomatic immunity, and the Iranian government held them captive for 444 days. So the White House says, okay, we're not going to issue a visa to them, and we got a couple tweets to that effect. Carney says, quote, we have informed the U.N., and Iran that we will not issue a visa to the Iranian diplomat. Earlier this week, the Senate unanimously passed a bill backed by Ted Cruz and Chuck Schumer that would have forced the White House to refuse the visa request, although that may have been challenged in court by this or a future administration, who knows. The House quickly passed it afterward, and it's now sitting on Barack Obama's desk. So far, they haven't decided on whether to sign the bill. And then there's a tweet here from Mark Noller. Do you know who he is, no. by the way? It says, at the Beard same time, the press secretary still cannot say whether President Obama will <laughs> sign the visa denial bill passed by Congress. It says, however, the decision appears to run afoul of obligations under Article 4, blah, 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 um, because it says that, uh, the U.S. has agreed to credential diplomats from member states without, quote, imposing any impediments to transit to or from headquarters and blah, blah, blah. Jay Carney referred to any questions over the treaty provisions to the U.S. State Department. But for now, Abu Talebi is out of luck. I say kudos to Ted Cruz for yeah. starting this, for getting a unanimous vote on yeah. this through both. I mean, imagine, here he is. He's a freshman yeah. senator. Yeah. And... Look what he's accomplished. He's and then sophomore here, technique. you know, and then you have the Speaker of the House not even able to get budget concessions from the President and from right. the Democrats, right. which he should be able to do because the House is the power of the purse. No, he's making he's making these people do the right thing, and they resent it probably, but they're like, God damn it, okay, what, what, what am I supposed to vote against it? Right, right. Yeah. We are coming up on a break here, but in the next hour. You can look over at my blog at DontLetItGo.com to see the stories that we're going to talk about. We have the New Islam for Journalists report that was put out, and apparently it whitewashes jihad. We'll hear about that. There's a new anthem play 
that's going to be off-Broadway. We'll talk a little bit about that. And the House Ways and Means Committee, perhaps charging criminally Lois Lerner, and a lot more after the break. Yes, here we are for Like A Version. We have four very talented people in the studio. Haley, Heather, Sam and Nick join us now for a great cover from the Jezebels. You're trembling, Matt. You're ready to go. <laughs> because I know what it is. Yeah, we won't tell you what it is. We'll let the song speak for itself. Like A Version on Triple J with the Jezebels. Whenever you're ready, guys. today that was not a very smooth little bumper break yeah, though because like there was that beginning show. yeah i don't know going into some different show entirely it sounded like for the uh liberty express people but everyone here on am fm 24 7 and blog talk radio got to taste a little bit of that you can find that jezebel's doing journey cover on youtube i believe uh, maybe the jezebel's own account maybe Probably. but if you put jezebel's and journey you should be able to, to find that cover pretty easily I, I enjoyed that one but again it was the one that made me think they're catering to older people like us who remember it's journey it's possible how many young kids today to remember journey, journey i'm trying to forget <laughs> i mean there's a, a few moments in their songs i like and it's like damn i mean talk about guilt, guilty you know, I was guilty, say, pleasure. guilty pleasure is Whoa. one of the phrases you've I, used i right? think that should be the name of the band <laughs> guilty pleasure it's in a journey uh, Daniel says, isn't this song called Don't Stop Believing? So see, Daniel's young and he knows what it is. Right? <laughs> right. Close to Don't Let It Go. Not too bad. That's right. There's a song called Let It Go from the movie Frozen. I don't know. Which I should listen to. Because it's a good movie too. I haven't seen it. Yeah, I, should, I should check it out. I haven't had an occasion to do that. So uh, Daniel says, I'm 31 and I like Journey, but I think they're before my time. Yeah, probably. Mark, Mark unabashedly says he loves Journey. 
I mean, I, I definitely like some stuff, but it's it's one of those things where sometimes I, I don't like that I like it. You know, I'm like, damn, I, I don't like that I like this song. Right. <laughs> you know, we've got a call that we're going to end up taking first thing after the break. Okay. So do hang on if you're there here at Blog Talk Radio. We're going to go ahead and do that. Ed says Frozen is awesome. Excellent. It's a great movie, so we'll have to check it out. Excellent. Definitely. I think it's available on DVD yeah, it now even. Blue, Blu-ray. DVDs. Uh, it's Blu-ray. Oh, now it's yeah. Blu-ray. So DVDs. You know, it's over. It had a good run. I, I could have said VHS. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> A-Track. <laughs> there was no A-Track movie. No, there wasn't. No. There was Beta. Betamax would be even right. worse because VHS laser won that war. Laser oh, Laserdisc. Those years huge ago. discs. <laughs> right. Remember those? Oh, my God. But when I gathered, they were great at the time. They, they were the best out there, period. And Daniel says he's going to watch it on Betamax. I don't even think they offer things on Betamax anymore, do they? I don't even know. Uh, Stuart says, I don't feel guilty about my pleasures. <laughs> well, which... Amy's going to watch it on our Betamax. I do have a couple Betamax tapes. Sitting in a cabinet. Stewart Crazy. says, that which peaceably gives me pleasure deserves my unabashed approval. I agree. But that's the thing about Journey. I'm like, I like this. You know, it's almost like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I like this. But it, that whole keyboard dramatic, it's like, oh, man, it's just too much. E- eBay the Betamax, maybe I should do that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I've, I've sold quite a bit of things on eBay. Whether I should eBay my Betamax tapes, I don't know. People yeah. want them? Make a donation to a museum? Yeah, I could do that as well. I'm assuming that they're still in good shape after all these years of, of moving them around. So Daniel is, is really kind of our background producer Jonathan here. puts a link to a film about Journey. Whoa. Hmm. Okay. That'd be interesting. But yeah, we're, we're pretty far behind. We may have to really plow through some of these stories very quick. And some of them I think we can do pretty quick. Uh, are we going to have time for our ritualistic Chris Christie stuff after the yeah, the beginning. But I have to, you know, as the tradition goes, I have to go get it while you mention them. I mean, I, I mean, or you want me to okay. get it now? Well, I guess I'll get it now. You can get it and be prepared because we okay. want to go ahead and take this call. And as Daniel says, we're going to have to chop, chop after yeah. here at the beginning. So we only have a few seconds and we're going to go into our second hour here on Don't Let It Go Unheard. So go ahead and hang on with us. This is Amy Peacock. You're listening to the second hour of Don't Let It Go Unheard. I've got cartoonist Bosch Faustin here in the studio with me. And it is time for our weekly ritual, which is talking about Chris Christie. And I'm happy to have this story today to discuss while we eat chocolate. What kind of chocolate you got for us here, Bosch? I got the uh, Choco Love, 77% 
cocoa content. Okay, so the story that we have is Chris Christie ain't got it. <laughs> That's right. So says Philip Klein at the Washington Examiner. He says there's a scene in the comedy film High, High Anxiety in which a driver meets Mel Brooks at the airport and offers to pick up his cumbersome trunk. I got it, I got it, I got it. And then at a certain point he says, I ain't got it. That's how he came up with the title for this particular column. And I guess he had to tell us because we wouldn't have known. A little, I probably wouldn't. Is, is that a little bit obscure for you? I Gosh, don't know. I mean, you're I, a film lover. I know the quotes and I know uh, Mel Brooks movies. I probably remember it. It sounds funny. So he says the sequence. I'm, I'm chewing because this is Chris Christie, okay? Eat or eating. The sequence came to mind recently as I thought about why I'm so skeptical of New Jersey Governor Chris Christie's presidential prospects. And he says it doesn't concern the scandal surrounding the bridge. A couple huge yeah. political gaps <laughs> that he has made recently. And one of them, did we talk about it before last week? We did. Mm-hmm. Yes, we did. So he goes and he speaks in front of a Jewish Republican, a group. Jewish Republican group. And he refers to the, quote, occupied territories yes. in Israel. Yes. Terrible. Which is something that the quote-unquote Palestinians use, mm-hmm. the terrorists use, leftists use. Then, listen to this. He goes to Cato. He speaks at Cato. And he refers to the libertarian audience at Cato as, quote, a small group of committed conservatives. <laughs> and the audience groaned. Like, what the hell? So basically, the columnist here, as Klein is named, yeah, Klein is, is saying that basically he's trying to get by on his reputation as having all this bravado, dealing with budget issues and being tough with the unions and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And in, he's not getting up to speed on the things that he needs to know about in order to conduct yeah. a successful national campaign yes. he has his eye for president. On the pie. Right. So he can't get away from that. I mean, so he's, he's focused on that, on the big, big prize. And apparently people from these groups, at least from the Jewish group, are offering to educate him. Mm-hmm. And, and he's rejecting he's that rejecting offer. He's rejecting that offer. Oh, I don't need anybody to tell me what to do. I'm, I'm so good, right? I mean, he's pathetic. State Defiance in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio says, no, what he said was he frequently occupies Krispy Kreme donuts. <laughs> That's right. Oh my God! And they occupy his stomach. Yeah. No, well, he look. He has his eye on the pie. He definitely does. He wants to be president. Mm-hmm. And he's like, whatever, man. All these details, I keep messing up. So what? Don't worry about it. I want to be in the White House. Okay. People and like me. Joint... I'm electable. Yeah, I'm exactly. pragmatic. What more do you want? And one thing he keeps right. saying, uh, we got to win. We got to win. No, no, no. You don't keep saying you got to win. You got to give us reasons to vote for you. You can't just say, oh, you, you keep saying you're, you're going to win, so you're probably going to win. And by the way, Joyless Behard, you know her, Joyless, Joyless Behar, mm-hmm. she was on the, on the View. Uh, she was at a, at a roast for some other hack politician, and she decided to roast Chris Christie, who was right next to her, just off the cuff. And she did a pretty, pretty damn good job, too. And people say, oh, Christie fought back, whatever, whatever. She had, she had, she had the points, and she, was, she used it against him. She ripped him up. And basically, that the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the lane closings was him just standing in the middle of the bridge. That's what it took to close lanes. She actually said this on television. She said this. It was um, someone rec- uh, recorded it uh, from their iPhone or whatever. Oh, so I don't know if it was for public okay, consumption. Okay, so it wasn't for public consumption. But she said that. Whereas and this then, show is, and we're sitting here chewing chocolate yeah. while we talk about him, but she whatever. She said something like, well, okay. politically speaking, uh, you're, uh, something you would like your toast. 
was like, toast? You know, he liked the sound of that. So, oh, he goes, oh, oh, you mean I'm toast? Okay. I thought you had some toast, like ready-made. You know? are, are we are we done with our uh, chocolate and our eating for now? I'm going to go ahead and take a call before we go on to our next story. Hi, who's this? Hello, you're on the air. Okay. I cannot hear the yeah. caller, so that's a shame. I was looking right. forward to grabbing a caller. If you are in the chat room and you know, you know, you were that caller and you know that there was something wrong with your audio setup that you fixed, let do let us know. That would be great. It says, well, Amy, you are one of those. This is Daniel. Hmm. He, he's our conscience in the chat room or something. He says, well, Amy, you're one of those shameless Ayn Rand cultists. People don't expect decency from you. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I've just, I, part of it is well, literally a need of some blood sugar in the middle. So I have acquiesced to Bosch's, uh, making fun of Chris Christie, uh-huh. kind of, you know, okay, I'll, I can eat some chocolate and talk about Chris Christie on a regular basis. I, I, I can do that. I'll make fun of him. I mean, he's just so terrible. And I, I'm not going to let him live down the Absolutely lane closure thing not. that he cleared himself yeah, he cleared by the himself. investigation, yeah. by people appointed by him. You know, it's ridiculous. Well, but like let's, he clears let's, his lunch. Let's go on himself. because we do. We have a lot of stories here to cover. And Well, well Daniel was speaking sarcastically. We yeah. didn't know. <laughs> I knew that. Yeah, we knew I that. I knew that, Daniel. I'm sorry. If I didn't sound like it, I, I blame my lack of sleep here. But let's. Let's go on to the story. So this, you you read this uh, article, right? This yes. is Investors Business yes. Daily. One of the Thanks best. to Marianne Durad on Facebook yes. for posting this. Thanks, the new Marianne. Islam for journalists, quote unquote, whitewashes jihad. Supposed top academic experts on Islam have issued new reporting guidelines. Fascism, fascism, yep. taking over the media, right? New reporting guidelines for newsrooms to improve the, quote, accuracy of media coverage of Islam. Thank you, Papa Bad, that just appeared <laughs> in front of me while I'm trying to read this article. Not. <laughs> the reference guide is a little more than a whitewash, says this article at Investors Business Daily. It says, titled, Islam for Journalists, a Primer on Covering Muslim Communities in the U.S., end quote. The digital handbook is anything but accurate, sugarcoating jihad as, quote, a positive exercise, a struggle for God. Yep. Mm. Jihad literally means struggle, uh, as does mein Kampf, my struggle, my jihad. That, that's the care, you know. Remember Kerr had that campaign on buses? My jihad is to meet my buddies at the store. My, my jihad is to go jogging. Oh, really? And what's, uh, what, what was Muhammad's jihad? Right. What was it, to hang out with his buddies? Well, no, and, and the jihad that's referred to in the Quran yes. is the jihad that involves Joining Muhammad in violent battle, yes, yes. physical battle, not this. Oh, I want to go down a dress size before prom jihad. The verse of garbage. the sword: Kill the infidels wherever you find them. Not metaphorically, right? Literally. So kudos to Investors Business Daily yes, for calling always. out this. And also, guy. they they cash them in their lives. At one point, they say there are 2.6 million Muslims in America. First of all, that's that's. That's nothing. In a, in a 310 million strong America, there's only two point something. That's, I mean, I said something about Muslims also in terms of coming to America. They despise the country, so a lot of them will not come. The ones who do come probably don't mind it as much. Some, some might even love it and whatever, pretend to be Muslim. Well, and again, it, but it, then, they, then they say that there are 7 million later on. So which one is it? It's 2 million or is it 7 million? 
So that's not that's not an innocent mistake. And Muslims have been pushing, they've been putting the numbers up because they keep saying Islam is the, is the what do you call it? It's it's the fastest growing religion. Sure. Yeah. yeah the right. world's fastest growing religion. And why? Because of the help of academics like this who whitewash it. If that's yeah. true. If yeah. that's true. I first heard of this in that one Islamic commentary, the place that had the, the uh, profile on me, which it's a Muslim website. Believe it or not, it was a pretty decent profile, a pretty accurate one. It was written by a Muslim, but a Muslim who was born and raised in America, educated in America, PhD, and then I think post 9-11 turned Islam. So he makes Islam look good, which is terrible. Anyone who wants to know the truth, go read the Quran for yourself. Absolutely. I mean, we read it cover to cover. And yeah. I think that that's really essential if you're going to go ahead and, and talk about it. So I just wanted to give, a, give a shout out to Investors Business Daily. It was an editorial by their editorial yeah. team, it seems like. There's no particular can author I, credit. Can I just add one thing that's also great. about that? Because uh, people say, well, there are some, some things in the Quran that say live and let live. And there's a doctrine of abrogation in Islam in the Quran that basically if, if something later contradicts something earlier, you go with the later verse. So basically... Uh, live and let you know. Live and let live in the beginning. At the end, kill the infidels where you find them. You go with kill the infidels where you find them. That's the final word of Islam. We have a couple more stories that are related to Islam that we cannot help but discuss yeah. this week. The first in particular, and as you may have heard, Ayan Hirsi Ali, yeah. who is an anti-Islam activist. Yeah. Uh, why? Because she suffered physical yes, mutilation did. at the hands of yes, Muslims. Yep, I think her and grandmother. Her grandmother? Yeah, yeah. the, uh, cl- the clitorectomy. Female genital mutilation. To literally had. rip out a woman's pleasure, literally. She has been for years an outspoken critic of Islam. Yes, she has. She is very been, straightforward, was, pretty mild-mannered, but no-nonsense no, woman. No, very, very straightforward. And there was a time a few years ago where she started using Islamism. I don't know if it was the editor's. But I resented it a little. I hate when, when people who are completely committed to the truth soften it up. But now she's back to calling Islam Islam, you know, which, is, which is great. And Brandeis University was going to give her an honorary degree that they were going to confer upon her at the time of her giving a commencement address to the graduating class of this year. And apparently they got pressure, the university got pressure from CARE, not surprisingly. Yep. And Care, again, five of its members are sitting in prison today for terrorist-related activities. They're uh, part of the Muslim Brotherhood. They were created by Hamas to have their political wing in America. They're the scum of the earth. Right. And so basically what Brandeis University did is buckle under the pressure yes, and decide to back off of granting that honorary degree. And it's a Jewish college. It's a historically Jewish college. <laughs> it's the self-loathing Jews. You know, these Muslims want, I mean, the, Muslim, the, the Quran calls, calls Jews the, the descendants of apes and pigs. And if there's one group that they have to kill, it's the Jews first, then the rest of us. The link that I have at DontLetItGo.com gets you to Time Magazine, where Time gives you the statement of Ayan Hirsi Ali in response to the university withdrawing. And she said that she wasn't surprised, you know, that there's been this criticism and some taking of her out of context. This is one thing that kind of bothered me a little bit about the things that she said, because, for instance, the you know Megyn Kelly on Fox would quote to her a statement yeah. uh, that was critical of Islam, and 
Ayan Hirsi Ali, instead of saying, well, I do or don't believe exactly the content of that statement and talking about the substance of the statement that Kelly quoted to her, she says, well, you know, they take me out of context a lot and everything else. And it seemed like that she was disavowing the truth in a certain way. So I I was a little, but, you know, give give kudos to her because what she talked about is... also to Megyn Kelly for allowing it to be aired without interrupting her. I thought that that was impressive. And I've not been a great fan of Megyn Kelly, especially during the election in 2012. She was terrible. But she allowed her to speak, and then she uh, had that, that, that rat, Ibrahim, uh, Ibrahim uh, Hooper. She shed him on, and she just challenged him. She kept basically using uh, care against care and the critics of care. And Chuck I think Schumer. That's great. It's excellent. The question is, how long will Fox let her do it? Right, because they have that bin Talal, 18% right. of Foxy owns this uh, Saudi. So he's been able to have to basically have them uh, curb the truth here and there. Now, uh, her, you know, Ayan Hirsi Ali, she was saying here that what was initially intended as an honor to her has now devolved into a moment of shaming. And in particular, she calls out the university for going through this months long process with her. Right. Over a period of months, they have been discussing having her come for the commencement, giving her the honorary degree. And they have access to Google, just like everybody else. Go out there, read all the things that she said before. Because supposedly, they're retreating to the idea that, oh, we didn't know that she said all those things critical of Islam. You told me, Bosch, right, that they had given an honorary degree to somebody in the past who was an anti-Semite. Tony Kushner, who said basically Israel should not exist. Uh, He's a nasty rat. He's a leftist uh, screenwriter. And he said some horrible stuff, but the self-loathing Jews embraced him and honored him. And this, they dishonored themselves by not honoring Ayan Hirsi Ali. So I would, I would say that this signifies a retreat of Jews from Muslims, right? right? Yes, and it does. I, basically, I think that it is part of, I mean, in, you know, again, the, the association with fascism as such and anti-Semitism isn't a necessary connection, right? No. You know, you don't have to have anti-Semitism, but it just so happened, of course, that in Nazi Germany there was this particular form of racism, the anti-Semitism. Oh, yeah. And I think we see both in the people that Brandeis University is choosing to honor and now choosing to shame yep. elements of that anti-Semitism. Because when you empower Islam, you are empowering more anti-Semitism. Jews are called out explicitly time and again in the Quran as evil, the spawn of apes and pigs, as apes and pigs themselves are... Liars and deceivers and every name in the book. Would a quote-unquote Muslim college go to the Met for Jews in this way? Would they? No, they wouldn't. We know that. 72521 in the chat room over here at Blog Talk Radio is asking whether the college maybe was threatened. Maybe, but it doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, you, we have to stand for free speech or we don't. We have to stand for people who are fighting evil or we don't. I mean, talk about David Letterman again as the Absolutely. example. Absolutely. That was excellent. David Letterman was threatened. Yes. And he, what did he do? He doubled down the doubled next down, day went and back made on the air, more jokes. Made more jokes about Osama bin Laden and Al-Qaeda. That's the way you do it. And he's alive and well, years later. Yeah, maybe he has some security. Ion Hirsi always has security. She always does. Brandeis University could have security. Yes. 
So, I mean, you know, uh, Mark Stein brings up something. He goes, in the, in the hierarchy, Mark Stein says, in the hierarchy of identity group politics, Islam trumps everything, including race and gender. Absolutely true. She's a black woman, an African woman, uh, an ex-Muslim, but she'll, she'll go by the wayside in the face of Islam. It's terrible that that was done to her. And then in the meantime, this story comes out this week. In terms of, you know, feeling warm and fuzzy about Islam, how about this story from the Telegraph UK? Iraq is ready to legalize childhood marriage. Children under nine years old could be legally married. Now, how about this? So that means before this, you could be married at nine, which is horrific enough. But now... Children under nine years old could, just, could, be, could be legally married and wives forced to comply with sexual demands under nine years old under Some, the newly tabled legislation described by critics as a setback for women's rights. So George W. Bush, Operation Iraqi Freedom, right. woohoo! This lowlife Bush uh, basically did not study Islam. He sent our boys and women to the, to the Middle East without knowing why he sent them, who he sent them against. And allowed them to install Sharia law in their constitutions, Afghanistan and Iraq. This is what happens. This is what naturally happens. And just for a historical record, uh, Muslim history tells us that Muhammad married Aisha when she was six. And he had sex with her when she was nine. This is the historical context that they use. People say, oh, it's not Islamic. Yes, it is. It absolutely is Islamic. Iran has had, has had this for decades. Now Iraq is joining, joining the, uh, the evil... Practice. You know, I'm going to criticize the Telegraph UK a little bit here because in the headline it says children under nine could be legally married, blah blah blah. So that implies, if you're if you write that headline yeah. that under this new law, yes. children under nine, that before the new law it was children over nine. But it turns out that the current law says that girls as young as 15 can be married only with a guardian's approval. So you can send your girl off at 15. To be forced to have sex with some guy probably she's never met. And the, the guy some who, scumbag. Who could be 50 or 60 years old. Right. And now, nine or younger, apparently, according to the new and law. And then you hear these, these horror stories of uh, a girl, eight or nine, dying. But don't criticize it, Mom. of sex. Dying. Don't, don't, don't criticize. Mean, this is done because that's part of Sharia. Absolutely right. Which is Islamic law. But no, don't, don't criticize Islam. And certainly... Don't give an honorary degree to an outspoken critic of Islam, whether or not you agree with all her criticisms of Islam. Don't do that. That would be terrible. Anyway, that's just... It's totally unbelievable that in the same week you've got those two stories. In in the world where if you criticize a black individual, you're you're considered racist, where does it make Brandeis? They rejected an African woman. Racists. Sexists. I mean, that's what they are according to their standards. We have a few things here before the bottom of the hour break. And after that bottom of the hour break, I do want people to call in and talk about their experiences watching Captain America. So get ready to go ahead and get there onto our dashboard here in the Blog Talk Radio studio. You can call 760-888-5817, 760-888-5817 if you want to get in the queue and talk about that. But before that, we have a couple more stories to discuss. One, there's a Vanity Fair exclusive interview with Snowden that Edward I'm hoping Snowden. to get. I would like to get Edward Snowden, if people have forgotten. I've spoken about Snowden so many times. That, don't I you know. know who I'm talking about? I don't know of any other person named Snowden. Nope. There must be people, but I they haven't been notorious in any way that I know of. 
Anyway, I want to get a hard copy of this yeah. magazine because sure, all we yeah. have here is a taste of the interview. Snowden Speaks, a Vanity Fair exclusive. And if you go to the link that's at my blog, don'tletitgo.com, if you want, you can go ahead and subscribe there on their website and read the whole thing there. I'm going to try to get, just get a hard copy of this particular issue in the store. But, um, you know, Snowden talks about the fact which I love that he has said this before. He says, look, every person remembers some moment in their life where they witnessed some injustice, big or small, and looked away because the consequences of intervening seemed too intimidating, end quote, he says. But he says, but there's a limit to the amount of incivility and inequality and inhumanity that each individual can tolerate. He says, I crossed that line and I'm no longer alone, end quote. And that's true. Uh, What I would say is that of late, I was disappointed in Snowden saying anything positive about Obama's recent promise to so-called curb the bulk metadata collection program. Because if you look at that, all he's going to do not for even you know three more months, it's not even going to start for three more months, is have the individual phone companies Just collect the data. In his defense, I say I think from his current position, the context that he's in, he couldn't wait to hear something like that and jump the gun. And said, see, it was worth it. It was worth it. And, uh, of course, he's talking about who? Obama, the guy behind all this crap. So I give him the benefit of the doubt there, and I hopefully he comes around and says, you know what, I did jump the gun. Right. It, you know, and still, it, it was worth it. I will, stick, I will stand by it. But uh, this guy is no good. No, I, mean, I, I, I think it's worth it, but you don't have to commend Obama. No, so there's, you don't. There's that. He's got behind it. And I, I, I think, I hope he's going to see change within his lifetime. But definitely go read the interview over at the blog at don'tletitgo.com. I have the link to Vanity Fair where you can read some highlights where Snowden is defending himself against some of the familiar charges like did he fail to go up the chain of, the, of command? Was he acting as a spy funded by somebody else, things like that. So we've got, we've got a couple more stories, but we may go ahead and hold off on those until we've gotten into our discussion of Captain America. People with this rage against Snowden, I, I wish they had the same rage against Obama. Right. Those who want to kill him, kill him, you know. How about Obama? If you're going to have that against this guy, whoa. Who's behind all, the, all, all this crap? Definitely, definitely Mr. Obama. That's the one they should be going after. Yes. So hang on after the break and do call in 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817 to talk about Captain America 2. Okay, we're in our last big break, Bosch. Yeah. What have you been listening to lately? Uh, to Audible. To that same uh, book, but uh, I'm getting, you know, a little bug bite. It's, uh, he keeps invoking Nathaniel Brandon and his work, and he keeps invoking a lot of uh, authors and a few things that I'm not crazy about, but uh, I'll be finishing it up very, very soon. I'm in the fourth, fourth chapter out of, out of six, 
but it's uh, you know, Audible is a great, a great audiobook um, uh, dealer. Dealer, yeah. Is that, is that the term? You know what I have that I'm going to have booted up to listen to mm. here pretty soon is Greg Gutfeld's Not Cool. All right. So you're going to listen up to? I'm going to listen to that. And, okay. Yeah. And with the, okay, good. And the book itself. Oh, you thought I was going to play part of it here on? I thought, yeah. <laughs> <No>. Okay. But <laughs> um, the, the the next one after this, re-listening to uh, Atlas Shrugged in audio with, with the other version. That I haven't heard yet. Uh, Scott Brick, I think the name. Um, I listened to the old one with um, I forgot his name, Christopher Hart. Maybe that might be it. He was good. The, the Scott Brick has a more masculine voice, uh, like a more stentorian voice. It might be, it might be better. We'll see. Yeah. One thing I wished is that Gutfeld read his own book, oh, yeah. or at least an introduction. This she time he's read, not reading any of it. I think his first book, or at least the first popular book, and it was great. It was such a you know, it's like he's on I don't know, on speed. No offense to Greg, but it sounds like he's on speed, just non-stop during the audiobook. But um, and he did little asides and stuff that were funny as well. Very so funny, the, yeah, yeah, very funny. I liked it, definitely liked it. But then the other book was read by someone else, and it's like that loses the whole edge, loses the whole point of it. Christopher Hurt, yes, Stuart writes Christopher Hurt, right? That that, that was for the first Ellis Shrugged audio. I think they did a great job. I think he did a great job with the nuance uh, between the characters, uh, his James Tiger voice as opposed to his John Gold voice and others. And, yeah, so but, I'm going to sometime over the next week be listening to that Gutfeld book, and I'll come back next week with some impressions of it. If you want to get in on listening to audiobooks, maybe you have a commute that you would like to make more tolerable, maybe you can listen to books during your workout. I actually like to have music during my workout. That's full disclosure because it helps me be more motivated if I have music. Sometimes I like to go on a walk and listen to nothing huh. at all. What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> have a little downtime. But if you would like to Weird. get in on listening to audiobooks, maybe during house cleaning and things like that, I like to do it then. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash Amy Peacock. That's audibletrial.com forward slash Amy Peacock. And now I have an injunction for all the people who are listening at live at Blog Talk right now. If you want to talk about Captain America 2. Now is the time to call in. 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. We would like to hear from you and hear your impressions after seeing the movie. Bosch has seen it three times now. So I think he beats everybody in the room. Is that right? Uh, I don't know. Maybe not. We'll be back after a few seconds to talk to you about it. Okay, we are back. That's a little bit of Radiohead Lotus Flower for those of you who are keeping score. The other song that we were playing a little bit earlier that I would recommend that you get is Muse Madness. I've got a variety of little clips here. It seems to be working out okay. That Jezebel Journey bumper that I did earlier. (sighs) So forgive me, people, for giving the wrong bumper earlier. Now, Daniel says, nothing's better than Chewie's monologue to Keating. It gets you enraged and you can use it. Okay, that would, that would be good. Listen to it and what? The one where he unmasks. Play. Yeah, play Basically, it. He rip, he rip, when, he, when he rips the mask off. We could play a little clip here on the show. Probably. Is that what he means by use it? I don't know. No, it could be. 
Could be. Maybe, maybe, maybe for something else, but it's, uh, it's great. So, Bosch, you are the resident expert on Captain America 3, I mean 2, 2 whoa, that you've whoa, seen three whoa. times. So, I guess Captain America 3, I have to see the four times, right? Because that's... Is that how it goes? You have to see it one more time than that. How many times have you seen Captain America 1? A few. Okay, so you didn't follow that rule. Maybe twice in the theater and then once on... Okay, so twice in theater. So three times in theater. So you've now set the precedent that when Captain America 3 comes out, you're going to see it four times (laughs) in the theater. Okay, I just want to be aware. But just for, you know, uh, anyone listening, uh, if you don't watch the TV show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., there's a direct... I mean, I don't know if it's ever happened before, but there's a direct consequence from the Cat America movie into Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, it's, 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 it's unbelievable the way they did it. You, you watch the movie, and then all everything that happens there takes effect in the show, and it changes it fundamentally, the show. You, you watch it like, okay, what, how are they going to do this? I mean, how are they going to... But whatever. I mean, I, I'm, definitely hooked, I'm definitely hooked in. I'm going to watch it. If you haven't watched the TV show, I think it's definitely it's gotten better and better in the last few weeks. Uh, we'll see where it goes. I think there's six more episodes left, five or six more episodes left. If Agents you, of S.H.I.E.L.D., Tuesday nights, 8 p.m. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you do want to talk about the movie, how many people here in the chat room have seen the movie? I assume that if you are still in the chat room and listening right now that you've seen the movie. Ed says he has five more episodes left, okay. maybe of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think that's right. I yeah. think, I think we're, right. we're not going to talk about spoilers on S.H.I.E.L.D. No, right no, no, now. No, no. Just, just, we're just only going to talk about Captain America the movie. full effect of Captain America 2 in the S.H.I.E.L.D. TV show. Right. Yeah. Right. Def, def, definite tie-in there. Yeah. But do call in right now, 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817 to discuss Captain America, the Winter yeah, Soldier. Yeah, if you haven't seen it. I, I suggest leaving the show right now and come back when when you have. The only problem is we're not gonna have more time to discuss it probably, probably on the not. show. I people last week have requested yeah. that we save this time this yeah. week Might and catch up and now I don't see people calling in it's to true. talk about it. They want to hear <laughs> what other people have to say right. about it. Daniel says, Okay, yes I saw it. So call in, Daniel. Yeah, call in. Tell us what you think about it. We want to hear what you what you think about Captain America Winter Soldier. And we don't care if you disagree with us. Of course. That's fine. You know, we have one friend, and we told our friend, go see it. And he went to go see it. We said, let us know what you think afterwards. And we never heard anything back from this friend. So we think, okay, maybe he didn't like it like we did. I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. I don't know. We do know it's done very well at the but box we'll, office. If he come, next time he comes over, though, we have to ask him, um, you know, through a door, uh, did you like it? Right. And if you did, open a door. If you didn't, don't let him yeah, in. That's it. That's it. You're not I mean, coming in the house. Forget it. <sighs> so, this is the total gross, and is that in? No, that's not the, the total gross. That's total, not the total. Total gross is three hundred and seventy. It, it was cost one hundred seventy million and made, you know, three hundred seventy million so far. Okay. Worldwide. Okay. It's the number one movie in the world. Uh, it's fitting. I mean, I, I just think I, I love when a good movie is rewarded that way. When a movie that takes on uh, the modern era, it takes on Obama in a lot of ways. The, it takes on the surveillance state. Okay, let's see if this call is from one of our listeners. Hi, who's this? Hi, Amy and Bosch. It's Robert. Hey, Robert. Hi, Robert. How's Thanks for calling in. So... Tell us, are we, are we right about Captain America or are we all wrong? You are absolutely 100% right. Yes. I loved it from <laughs> the opening scene to the last scene, which you have to stay in the theater yes. until, practically until the lights come on. 
right. until you see the, the final scene, which I like to do because I'm always the last person out of the theater anyway. I always watch right. all the end credits, but exactly. uh, but it was worth it in this case. Yeah. And yeah. I I really liked uh, the you know the 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 current current events you know that they yes. that they covered uh, you know possibly before it was. Uh, headline story, but certainly something that we have all uh, been been aware of for some time. And Robert Redford is typecast. He is completely typecast <laughs> in, in that role. Came out. So, Came out. Now, what what do you think, yeah. though, Robert? Do you think do you think that Robert Redford? Whoa, whoa, whoa knew, Robert Red. Yeah, Red. Yes. Okay. <laughs> that 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 he knew he was being typecast. Look. Yes. <laughs> Embrace the role. He knew what it meant. Yes. He goes, I, oh, well, I, I, well. I, here's oh. the thing. Here's my, here's my opinion about these Hollywood actors. First and foremost, they want money. Then their oh, philosophy yeah. comes next. Okay. Absolutely. Then right. their philosophy comes <laughs> next. So here is a you know, big paycheck yeah. for Redford to play himself. I so it's, want, a, it's like, a win-win situation. His last two movies bombed. They bombed. Right. So absolutely right. He says, "I'm green and red." Let's go for it. You know? Yeah, that's right. It's a watermelon. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. A watermelon. <laughs> oh, man. Do you know, you know, women like me will get catalogs in the mail from something called Sundance, which Redford... Oh, yeah, right, does. right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mr. Communist Capitalist. It's, it's terrible. I hate looking at that thing because sometimes he has attractive garments yeah. in this catalog, some nice pieces of clothing. And I want them, but I don't want to give him and his causes money. No. It's it's really no. hard for me, Robert, to resist. Yeah, but, I, I understand that. I understand that. But you are principled, Amy, so I have I have uh, trust that you'll look at it and say, oh, that looks nice, but uh, I don't want to support him. So, and, and uh, but look, thing, but, about, just, sorry, Robert, just one yes. thing about watching this movie. People were like, oh, I'm not gonna watch because Robert Redford's there. Robert Redford, it's perfect. He's and again, if you haven't watched it, leave now. If you haven't. But anyway, he's the bad yeah. guy. He's the big yeah, bad yeah. guy. And, and I, I have to admit, I'm not as much... I want to see a good movie, first and foremost, because it's yeah. entertainment. So if if the main star spouts leftist um, yeah. propaganda, that won't automatically stop me from going. It would have to be... Yeah, well, then, then, Robert, Robert, I can buy yeah. the shirt. I can buy. I can buy the shirt. No, it's a completely different thing, though, because no, because not, that. Not, you know why? You know why? Because, because you like the you're, shirt. You're contributing to the box office, and a <laughs> lot of big stars in the movies have their compensation tied to the box office success of the movie. <laughs> oh, sure, we like I'm the an attorney, Robert. Take a long don't conversation. Me. We don't have don't, enough time. Don't, don't mess with me, Robert. Don't mess with me. I'm an attorney. I will argue and argue. Okay. okay. The defense rests. <laughs> I have some photos. The defense rests. That's all I'll say to that. <laughs> the movie, the Americanism, you know, flowing through. Yes. I mean, it completely, really- completely uh, came through what you said, Bosch, that he has to wear the old original uniform uh, uh, at the end. And the, the old man with it, <laughs> I am so fired <laughs> when he sees right. it. was funnier that than was I thought Lee, it would be. That, that was Stan Lee, actually, which is great. That's oh, right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So just pure entertainment, you know, I, I, yeah. uh, entertainment in the good sense where there was, it wasn't just, as you said, mindless chasings and stuff. No. A, a little more action. Like, 
comparing it like to The Dark Knight, which I thought was more cerebral and less action dependent, yeah, you know, yeah. and this was no this was a little bit flipped, you know, the other way, but not very much. And no. and we understand that's what they they tend to have to do that to guarantee what, an audience. What all, but what they all. They did say something about they wanted Cap America to really show him off in this one to say he really does belong in the Avengers. He's not just a little; he's really something else. I mean, he's special. You know, uh, his yeah. powers at least. He really belongs yeah. with with that team, and he's the heart and soul of that team. He's the he's the conscience. Yeah, so. he, he's special in terms of his conscience and yeah. his integrity. That is the thing no that shines through the no most in it. that in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it do you know, was, do you it know was that just... Daniel um, Daniel here in the chat room, by the way, Robert, just just to put a little barb into our argument, Daniel is defending me. He says either of you buying a single product won't do much to further propagate Redford's kind of ideas. I mean, turn the table, right? I would Love say guys, that Robert Redford should be worried about selling me an attractive shirt because <laughs> what am I going to do with that attractive shirt? I'm going to wear it someplace. And, and I'm going to I'm going to talk about I, right that's right I'm going to talk <laughs> about the ideas and I'm going to look good doing it and he uh-huh. will have helped further my ideas boom perfect argument <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one but I, I liked also that the way they did it was kind of gradual the way the way that they showed the abuse of of power and the abuse of ideas it wasn't completely obvious from the beginning so they gave the audience a chance to put themselves in the position like, well, who, you know, whose side am I on here? And I, obviously, you know, Captain America is yeah. is right through and through, but... Uh, um, the other guys, yeah. But I just thought that there were, there were a few moments where you saw it with the with the staff, you know, with the, with the government workers, that some of them knew that they were really crossing the line here by doing this, by advocating yep. what he was saying. And I thought that was effective, the way that was done. Yep, yep. Robert, did you, by the way, see the same uh, little? I mean, I, I would think in the scope of the movie, it's a it's a minor error, but nonetheless, the package dealing of the preemptive strike with what Hydra is doing. Yes. Okay. So you yes. You, so so again, you know, just to kind of give people the the idea, Hydra plans if Captain America doesn't stop them to eliminate within seconds about 20 million so-called targets, individuals who they believe, based on vast surveillance, you know, compiled into databases that are cross-referenced and predicting what these people are going to be like in the future on the basis of their SAT scores and the books they buy, and probably they all read Atlas Shrugged, you know, so (laughs) they're really dangerous people, um, dangerous to totalitarians, that is. And mm-hmm. so they want, to li- they want to eliminate all these people at once. And basically they're saying, oh, that's just a preemptive strike. That's all it is. Yeah. And I think that there's a danger of characterizing all preemptive strikes as being in the same category as what Hydra was yeah. planning in this movie. And that's not the case, right? If you have people who, like, for instance, Iran may be very soon yeah. having nuclear capability, having expressed the intent to obliterate Israel and or major cities of the United States continually time and again expressed hostile intent and have these weapons with which they can, you know, harm millions of people. We are completely justified in doing a preemptive strike before they have a chance to do it. But that is very different than 
for instance, first of all, taking out people who do not have the hostile intentions yeah. of Iran, who simply mm-hmm. just don't uh, don't agree to submit to totalitarian authority, right? You know, the, right. the people the people that Hydra wants to eliminate are the good kind of people, not the bad mm-hmm. guys. Um, mm-hmm. And then, second of all, it's it's eliminating people not based on what they are imminently ready to do right now, but on what they project they're going to do sometime in the future. So it's like two errors entirely. One is the type of target, and the second is the timing of the preemptive strike. So I, there is that danger in there, but, do you, I mean, do you mm-hmm. think that people that people are going to walk away from that saying all preemptive strikes are bad? No, I don't think so. I, I think they – I think – it was clear enough that what what the, I think what people walk away is saying is that boy the government is just <laughs> they really want everything about me and I'm not I'm a little uneasy about that you know and um, and they might do something bad to me um, for the, for their own purpose that I'm not even aware of did you, did you see Captain America's face when he found out that he was being tapped you know when when Samuel Jackson's there and yeah. he says on the yeah. phone we're being what he was like his jaw dropped absolutely like, what? outraged yes I, I, right. and that was that was incredible because we wouldn't yep. have expected that and then the next door neighbor's an agent and yep. um you know the one of the interesting scenes where you really saw Redford was when he had the when they had the interview with him, like where you know, okay, why was Samuel Jackson in his place? Right. And then he goes in the elevator, and, and you know oh, everyone's man. getting on, and oh, you know this is great. not going to be pretty. And right. it's just the tension's building up because oh, more and more people are getting on. He's looking at one guy with a gun, and this one, and and the, for me the biggest disappointment yeah. was the. Um, Oh, what's the guy's name? Frank Grillo is the actor's name. Yes, uh, yes, yes. The, the character. Uh, I I liked him initially because he was his right hand man, you know, in, yes. in battle. And then he's, you know, and then he's a trade. He, he played it so perfectly, but I, yes. I I was I was disappointed because I I wanted to like the guy through and through, you know. There's something there's something about that actor also. He's like I don't know. He plays this uh, this uh, coach in a movie. Look, he, he's like a real guy. I mean, he yeah. played a coach in a movie where you assumed he's actually a real coach in real life. That's yeah, how really. Yeah, exactly, really exactly. Really so exactly. he, so when he betrayed Captain America, yeah. we were all surprised, you know, because Absolutely. we thought he was loyal to him, you know, and, right. and right. not, not quite, not quite. Oh. But I love when they threw the guy off the, uh, off the roof, <laughs> and. Right. Uh, right. Yep, that was I don't great. know the names, boss. You got to help me out, Sick but the the wingman well. came in yeah. and caught him. Uh, the <laughs> Falcon, was... Sam Wilson. <laughs> right, right. Oh, the Falcon. That's you know, right. Yeah, the Falcon. You know I I also like also the fact that Sam Wilson is Captain America's friend for decades now in the comics. They didn't mention the fact that he's black. They didn't play that up. It, that's I mean, yes. it's just a given, and that's it. And I love it. There's no yeah. mention. Ah, ah, he's not a racist. Oh, please. Right. Crap. Right. Yeah, I, I right. love that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the funniest scene to me was 41st floor. They <laughs> right. don't have the numbers on, on the outside. They right, right. the numbers on the outside of the building. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, was, that was really good. You know, it is true that people, when they watch this movie, they can now, thanks to the revelations by Edward Snowden, identify yeah. with the issue of surveillance, right? But yes. what they might not see as realistic is the idea of government targeting people to actually, you know, eliminate them, to kill them. And then, listen to this. I learned about this only by reading Tammy Bruce's column this week. She has a column over the Washington Times every week, and and this week it's about Eric Holder, and it's titled Eric Holder's Contempt 
for the American people. And she discusses mm-hmm. Eric Holder's testimony. And you may have heard about the, you know, where Eric Holder basically, um, you know, told, uh, who was it? Was it Gomert or somebody in the yeah, hearing? Yeah, yeah Gomert. Yeah. Louis, Louis Gomert. Louis he's Gomert. a congressman. He's he, a former he, he, says, he says, you know, I know, Mr. Holder, that you don't take contempt very seriously yep. or whatever. And then Holder got all on him and says, you don't want to go there. And basically and he it sounded very threatening. Yes. So she talks yes. about that, of course. But here's a thing right. that she here's a thing she talks about that is very scary, and think about it in connection with the Hydra program that you saw in the Captain America movie. Listen to this. She says while speaking to a House committee last week, Mr. Holder revealed the Department of Justice is in discussions with technology groups discussing the creation of a so-called bracelet for gun owners to wear. Mm-hmm. Listen, all in, all in the name of safety, of course. Apparently, this bracelet would be required for the associated firearm to function. GPS monitoring was also on the table, meaning this new bling would be in touch with a satellite and I'm sure would also be subjected to outside control, writes Bruce. Now, think about that. In order to be a gun owner and to have a gun that functions, the government wants to require you to wear a bracelet that would have GPS tracking in it. Government. Talk about the ability to have Hydra target you via GPS satellite technology and, boom, eliminate you if you have a gun with you. Ed laughs it off, but the fact is uh, this is not a joke, and and, uh, Holder would, of course, try to pull this. Of course they would try to do this. I mean... So, you, you, you know, you can laugh it off, Ed, but the fact is these people are diabolical. Trying. They're diabolical. Of course they would try mm-hmm. to do this. Of course they would. Yeah, I see Ed is asking about a preemptive strike in history from a just government. Mm-hmm. Well, could you say Israel taking out the Iraq nuclear Absolutely. And they were sure. condemned by everyone, by the entire by world. world. Does that count Absolutely as right. preemptive? Hell, yes, it does. Great, great, great point, Robert. Great. Well, and, and uh, Daniel, here's the other thing. Daniel was asking here, how much more obvious can you get? One thing that I was thinking was that why couldn't they just put the GPS device in the gun itself? But mm. I think what they'd like mm-hmm. to do is they'd like to have the bracelet that's owned by a particular person, the yeah. registered gun yeah. owner. And what they could also do is they could, of course, and they do this already, all, all Obama has to do is take out his pen and his phone, and suddenly he gives an executive order giving permission to cross-reference various federal databases about us, right? So you've got Mm -hmm. the database of the gun owners with the bracelets and the GPS information. You have the databases about our financial transactions, maybe the books that we buy off of Amazon. I mean, who knows what's out there about us in government databases right now, They put all this data together and they say, oh, well, there's a gun owner. Um, there's a gun owner who also uh, is a big fan of Ayn Rand and Atlas Shrugged. Yeah. Gee, that, that person might actually resist a totalitarian takeover by our regime. Let's go ahead and get our little Hydra football stadium-sized I mean, ship to target we're, them. We're right? heading to the point where we have to believe the worst of the scum in charge right now. We're getting to that point yeah. where we're not going to say, well, yeah. all these no. They're, look, they're evil. Anyone who's going to spy on yeah. Americans in general are evil, mm-hmm. and of course they're going to go as far as they possibly can when, when they get the more power, which they want. Yeah. They don't want to give yeah. it up. 
If I could just say one thing, Amy, about the, the Eric Holder quote, when you have someone with that much power saying you don't want to go there, that mm. and, and he's not being called to the carpet by everybody except him, Absolutely. that is so scary because Absolutely. basically he's saying I'm a thug and I have yep. a group of machine guns right behind me and if you right. one more peep out of you and and you'll be liquidated and and Absolutely. It's th- a threat. that's where we are that's definitely where we he are has, he has a law and political power behind him it's a threat yeah. and kudos to Tammy Bruce for calling it out yep. as a threat she she yeah. is really excellent Absolutely. she calls it out in her piece as Can a I threat just mention one thing that it's I'm going to reiterate something from last week but also just connected to Obama and Robert Redford and Bill Ayers and and the, and the Captain America movie because there's a connection between the villain played by Robert Redford and Obama's longtime friend Bill Ayers, who's a terrorist. Uh, he's yep. uh, on, you know, on, he's a uh, un, unrepentant terrorist, right? Oh, yeah. So Ayers had a dream of murdering 25 million capitalists in in, mm-hmm. in real life. I mean, this this was his dream. There was an FBI agent who went, who went undercover with the with the Weather Underground, and they were talking about this blase. And Robert yeah. Redford's character wants to kill 20 million Americans who might be a threat, also. And Robert Redford made a love letter of a movie about the Weather Underground. Those were his heroes. He said he was all yeah. for them. If they're bombings, they kill people, he was all for it. And then a Barack mm-hmm. Obama, the president of the United States of America, had his political coming out party at Bill Ayers' home, a guy who wanted to murder 25 million Americans. He worked a school in Chicago, ran it to the ground with Barack Obama. This is who Barack Obama is. Anyone listening, yeah. would any of you be friends with a human being who killed people and who threatens to kill 25 million Americans? Any of you? I don't think anyone listening would. And now he's a college teacher, isn't he? Or now now he's even? a professor, quote-unquote professor. <laughs> I mean, well, that's how warped and things are. He's, he's one of the so-called masterminds behind Common Core. Yes, he is. Yes, he is, which yeah. is the Obama yeah. pushed, you know, yeah. another. So I just, you know, this yeah. is where we are. We have the president of United States America. Uh, who yep. actually was friends with a guy who murdered Americans, who threatened to murder Americans, who wanted to kill 25 million Americans, and this is who's the president. And that movie, yep. is, it, comes, it, comes, it comes full full circle because, again, Robert yeah. Redford loved the Weather Underground. He admired them. He called them, those are his heroes. Of course he yeah. played a character with total sync and be completely behind it. When he read the script, he actually, for the record, he insisted to say Hail Hydra because the writer said, when he got Robert Redford basically saying he wants to say Hail Hydra, who are we to argue? So Robert Redford insisted, right. say, which is funny, because yeah. he came out naked yeah. like he never has before. I still yep. have a hard time. I have a hard time believing that <laughs> it's a straight thing for Redford. I, I, I it's think totalitarianism. That, Hydra. What do you mean? Hilarious. You mean like but you don't think he means it he, literally? Yeah, he thinks he's, you know, he thinks that he's a very good liberal one and second, he's on the second, right one side okay, please. and that he's playing George, a villain who's nothing like George him. step on all of us, as Michael Savage calls him, asked him, he says, were you for, he goes, I was for everything. He goes, including know, the bombing, he goes, I everything. Know, I know. He was for everything. The murder of yeah. human beings. And if you're for the murder yeah, of human beings, well, I'd rather for, for right now, I, you're running out of time yeah. so I'll just say, Go see the movie. It's highly entertaining. Uh, some good philosophy in it, and a lot of heroes. So that's yeah. uh, let you guys close out the program. Uh, that's thanks, Robert. My last word. Great call. Yep. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, thanks for calling in, You're Robert. Welcome. We appreciate it. Sure. It was, you know, it was funny. We kept asking for calls, and uh, we just weren't getting them. We have about a minute left, and I was just going to point out one story that we have left over at DontLetItGo.com. I do encourage you to read Tammy Bruce's column. Kudos to. Tammy Bruce yes. for writing that and pointing out 
holder's threat and also telling us about this bracelet thing. Yes, Ed, in the chat room, I agree with you that the bracelet technology might not be feasible, but it shows that our government is grasping at the kind of tools that are very Hydra-esque. And that's all I wanted to really point out. I keep in mind, uh, Ed Holder tried to basically, he said, we need to brainwash the American public about guns. He said this years ago. Of course he still believes that. Well, and so the bracelet could be like a scarlet letter function as well, if you think about that. Right. Uh, check check out, there's one little article about Jimmy Fallon's surprising centrist style. Yes. I put that there at my blog only as a continuation of the clips that we had last week. But while you're over at my blog at don'tletitgo.com, not only check out the articles that we mentioned today, but leave comments. Leave comments on the show. Tell us Please whether do. you like it or you don't. You can subscribe via iTunes. I've got the links there through that. You can subscribe to the blog. Donate to the show. Donations are always welcome and appreciated. Thank you, everyone. We are at the end of the hour, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Go see Captain America if you haven't. Take care. Take care.